Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh, and I am excited to have Ellie Holcomb on the show today. Ellie, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So glad to be here. Now, Ellie is a singer-songwriter out of Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville is a beautiful area. My in-laws live in Spring Hill, just 30 minutes south of Nashville. And so we love every chance we can go up. And so she's out of Nashville, and she's making her debut as an author with her first book, and it's entitled Who Sang the First Song? Kind of give us a 10,000-foot view of, of your first book. Sure. Well, it was inspired by my little girl who was four at the time. So this was about two years ago. She, in passing, as kids do, always asking questions, you know, she just was like, Hey mom, <laughs> who sang the first song? And I am in true parenting fashion when you don't exactly have like the right answer, like off the top of your head. Exactly. You yes. just turn it back around. And then you say, that's a great question. What do you think? And she <laughs> Let said, me think about oh. it for a second. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let me give me some time to find an answer while you give me yours. So I said, well, Amy Lou, who do you think sang the first song? And she said, I don't know, Dolly Parton. <laughs> awesome. So it was at that point that I thought, you know, I may need to do some research on this and, mm -hmm. and, and give her a better answer than Dolly, although we love Dolly at our house. Um, <laughs> and so I, uh, I went kind of on a treasure hunt of sorts and uh, discovered some beautiful truth written into scripture as I kind of looked into the creation story um, and listened to a couple of sermons and interviewed some people about the way that really the creation story, Genesis chapter one, is written in the form of an archaic Hebrew poem. And so uh, the book really loosely follows the creation story, but explores less of how God made the earth and more of why he made the earth. And uh, what I found as I listened to a really wonderful Tim Keller sermon on Genesis chapter one is that when God made the earth, it was literally like he was singing. And, and perhaps the reason that he sang the earth into existence is because he intended all of creation and every single one of us to sing the song of, of his extravagant love and faithfulness. And so the book really, it does what kids do, it asks questions. And, um, and what I hope that the book will do um, is help kids and the adults in their lives know who they are, whose they are, and what they were made for. I mean, music is such a powerful medium uh, with, you know, our, our traditions are much more oral than they're anything else. And, and being able to sing something and pass down tradition and stories and faith can be such a powerful thing. So I think that this, this book hits home for so many parents. Totally, man. I think it's a question, too, that we all ask, right? Like, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? And 
And so this idea that, that we would be handed this beautiful story of creation, that's the first story that we hear is God creating. And that, that we are in turn invited to be a part of, of like co-creators with God, creating beauty and love and light and, and singing that whether it's with our voice or with the way that we live our lives into the world around us yep. is really beautiful. And I don't know, I feel like growing up, I, I, when I heard that story of creation, I feel like sort of the point was that there was a fall, like, you know, original sin, this idea, which is for sure true. We know that things are broken down here, but I love that before there was original sin, there was this original blessing of God mm-hmm. over us and mm-hmm. uh, this invitation to be, uh, creators and, and creative with our with our lives and with the gifts that God has given us. I grew up in a minister's family, and and so it was Christianity was more cultural than it was anything else. And I can remember in college really doing my own kind of faith struggle to try to figure out what I truly believe. And it faith start I had to start with: Do I believe in a creator God? Do I believe the creation story? So starting our children's faith walk with this particular book, this particular story is huge. Oh man, yeah. Well, yeah, because I think at the end of the day, like if you boil it down to you were created on purpose out of love from a God who loves you, if that ends up being your perspective, it really does change everything because it's sort of like home. You know, it's like our yep. starting place. All stories yep. start at home. And so to know that mm-hmm. God's intention was for us to um, know that we are loved and and then to create with him. I don't know. That's a, that's a really good starting place. And it's a starting place. It's a truth that I forget a lot of yeah. days, like yeah. that, that I'm loved and, <laughs> and that I don't have to hustle for my worth. Like yeah. I'm worth something because he made me and I belong to him. Whereas kids. Yeah, it's a good starting off place, but it's a place that you have to continue to go back to. Oh, man. We we are living life in between two gardens. <laughs> the garden we are intended for, and then the garden, the city, you know, on a hill that will one day come back when he comes. And so this kind of, I, I always tell my daughter, she gets frustrated um, a lot. Like, you know, she was trying to make a, cut out a flower out of paper for her teacher, and she accidentally cut off one of the petals. And she was so sad. And I was like, babe. I know she was like, it's not perfect. And I was like, you know what? I know, baby, we were made, God made us for perfection, but we're far from it here on this earth. And one day it will come again. He's going to come and redeem everything. But it is frustrating here because things are not perfect and they never will be until he comes back and restores everything. Um, And the sweetheart, the quicker you can accept that, the better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's etched yeah. into our hearts. It's why we feel frustrated here on this earth. But yep. but it it will not be perfect here. But one day it will be. <laughs> those, those paper flowers we're cutting out are going to be perfect <laughs> one day. <laughs> so how can parents utilize who sang the first song in conversations with their kids about creation and how and why God made us? Sure. Well, my hope is that it will mainly be a conversation starter. Just like the question that my daughter asked me. Uh, began a conversation about who sang the first song that it would literally start a start a conversation about the creation story and about why God made the earth and and what my hope is is that it would begin this conversation of how can we God made us to sing 
And um, God's song over us is that we're good, that we're wonderfully made, and He's given us gifts that we can use. And so how can we sing? I hope it'll start the conversation, parents and their kids, of how can we sing with our lives and our voices, not just songs, certainly yeah. songs, but how can we create beauty and love and, and light with with the gifts that we've been given. And that could be creating a conversation with our neighbor, or it could be to really, you know, like accountants, it can be um, creating a card or uh, I, you know, I, with my little girl, she, she is familiar with the work. We do a lot of work with international justice mission uh, and they set slaves free all over the earth. And I think sometimes with kids, we kind of want to, I don't know, make them small and God tells us to be like kids. And so knowing like there's no junior Holy Spirit, like God's given them gifts to use and how can they use their voice and the gifts that God's given them already to, to um, sing and and create beauty in the world around them. And so like for my little girl, she keeps wanting to have, she keeps wanting to make paintings and sell them on the side of the street to raise money for IJM. (laughs) And while that creates like a pretty good amount of work for me as a parent to not just belittle that and say that's small, but to be like, no, that is so good. Let's use your guests. I'll give you the $10. (laughs) Uh, Taking the time to affirm that. And then, and then to talk, to continue that conversation of, of how we can use a gift. And then I, I wrote the record. I wrote a companion CD uh, because I think for me, so many times I see um, the story of the, the grander vision of God's story of redemption, of things being made new. I see that written into creation all around us. You know, we're in fall right now and, and things, leaves are falling off. Things are dying and winter. It's going to look like they're dead. And then spring, they're going to come alive again. And I just love that into the very fabric of our earth, God wrote the redemption story and that he's making all things new. And so I wanted to write songs that would, that would pull in scripture, truth from scripture, but that, that kids, as they sing these songs, that they wouldn't just be singing truth from scripture, that they would be looking out into the world around them and seeing evidence of the truth that they're singing. Jimmy and I have a couple episodes on how we need to stop outsourcing our kids' spiritual development. A lot of folks, at least in counseling that we see, they almost think that they're doing their job as a parent if they're just spiritual taxi drivers. I take them to and from church so that the professionals can kind of deal with them. So many parents have anxiety around faith conversations because at the end of the—I think maybe for a variety of reasons, but at the end of the day, we fear not knowing or having the perfect answer. But this type of research source, I think could be huge. I guess speak to that parental anxiety and potentially things that have helped you get over that. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, gosh, the whole question that started the whole book, I I didn't know the answer to that. And so I was like, you know, let me go do some research. I think admitting that we don't have all the answers and that we're on a journey, there is so much freedom. And there's been so much freedom for me as a parent in that. And to know, like, for them to know that this life is a, is a journey and 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 that it's a beautiful thing i think we can learn from our kids to stay curious that that we don't necessarily have to have all the answers but this like curiosity because there's so much mystery in scripture to me like i don't i don't know all the answers and and yet i have had tons of anxiety about not having the answers and it's been a really beautiful thing for me to learn from my kids that there's actually some some beauty about this being a journey. 
Um, and then I think something that I learned from my dad is that like, we have a gift as parents of we're not going to do this right. And so my dad um, and my mom both, I said, we get to offer our kids the story of the gospel, which is an amazing kind of epic story. And then we can also offer them the gift of repentance, like mm. of saying we have not always done this right. We don't always have the answers. And what a relief for me now as a parent, knowing like, it is not about us getting everything right and about us being perfect. That's there's really no such thing as that on this side of heaven. Uh, but we can we can walk that path of repentance and saying, "Oh man, I made a mess of this," or "Oh man, I don't actually know." But let's take this journey together. We're not alone on this journey together. And as we repent, there is grace abundant to wash over every single hot mess that we get ourselves into. <laughs> so. Uh, that has been, and, and I have to remind myself of that a lot of days. Cause I want to, I think if there's anything you want to get right as a parent, you want to parent perfectly. You're like, you want to love your kids perfectly. And we're, we're just people. We can't, we're not going to do that. And so, um, I think knowing that there is a, there's that gift and that pathway of repentance and, and walking that out. Uh, so our kids know how to walk that out too. It's a gift been a gift for me anyway. It's freed me up a lot. Yes. So not always having the verbal right answer, but having the answer be how you live your life as a model of not perfection, but failure and repentance and confession. And man, that's huge. That's a fantastic message. I think about like, like how I learned to pray and my mom didn't like sit me down in my Sunday school. Like the way I learned to pray is my mom prayed a lot. Like and she prayed when she didn't have the answers and she prayed when she was frustrated and yep. she prayed when we felt desperate and when we were sick. And so just that, that walking it out and knowing that we don't have to do that perfectly, ma'am, I'm just so grateful for the gift that, that my parents gave me mm-hmm. of that. Like they made mistakes and then asked for forgiveness. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for that now, especially as a parent. I'm like, okay, Whew. We don't have to get this whole thing right. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we have a couple more minutes, and I did want to hit on your music career, that you are a singer-songwriter out of Nashville. I used to actually listen, if I can fanboy for a second, to you and your husband when I was in college 15 years ago. Now, sadly, I feel like this old curmudgeon, I don't do music anymore. I am all talk radio. And I, you, old guys, when I was growing up, always did that, and I thought it was lame, but now I am that guy. Anyway. So I I love you guys and y'all's music. You kind of, though, with, I believe, the birth of your first kid, you kind of stepped away from Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, started your individual. And it says here, I read on your press release, that you actually got Best New Artist at the Dove Awards in 14. Kind of tell us a a little bit about your your music career currently. Sure. Um, Well, it is. I am a reluctant musician, um, which is so funny, but I... Uh, I really quit my husband's band. I love being a part of that. I've always loved music. It's been a huge part of my life. But, um, you know, our we took our little girl. She was on the road at two weeks old. And I think by the time she was six months, she'd been to 52 states in Canada. Not 52 states, sorry, 32 states. Yeah. Not 52 states, 32 states in Canada. 32. And I, I mean, it was, that was by the time she was six months. And so 
that's kind of a crazy life with a little newborn. So I actually decided by the time she started walking, she was like in a car seat for six hours a day. I decided to quit my husband's band and um, stay at home with her. In the same breath, I started writing songs really that I thought were just for myself uh, to work out my faith, um, to work out my doubt, to work out the questions that I had. Um, and I was memorizing scripture with a friend of mine, um, who was battling depression and, and this, and God's word was changing us. And so I literally put my husband's band to be a stay at home mom and, and really accidentally launched a whole other music career that I really wasn't intending to do. But a huge part of that was, um, I was in counseling at the same time and, um, I just grew up in the church, but didn't know it was okay to not be okay. Uh, I didn't know it was okay to struggle. Um, and so I spent a lot of my life, I, I didn't really realize I was doing this, but I spent a lot of my life hiding the struggles that I faced, um, the mistakes that I had made. And so um found this invitation from my counselor that Jesus gives to all of us that where there's truth, there's freedom. And uh, started in- encountering the power of the gospel, entering into all of my mistakes, into all of these places um, of shame that I had been hiding, uh, seeing the power of the gospel enter into those and begin to heal those and set me free from a lot of stuff that I didn't even know I needed freedom um, from. And so I sent this invitation from the Lord of just saying, would you be willing to go be a mess in front of people? Um, and to proclaim my hope and my truth, the truth from my word that's been changing you um, in front of people. And my answer at first was absolutely not. Like, I am not <laughs> going to do that. Nope. Uh, like, I was so judgmental back in the day, and uh, I do not want to go to churches and speak that. But yeah. but I think a lot of times in churches, there are a lot of people that, for sure, in churches, they're not meant to be museums. They're meant to be hospitals. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, that invitation from the Lord to go and and tell my story um, and to be real and authentic in front of people who maybe don't always feel free to be real and authentic. Mm. Um, I, I think that invitation felt, I, I didn't want to miss the journey that God had for me. And so with fear and trembling, it felt like stepping off of a cliff. I always reference like the Indiana Jones scene where he's like stepping off and it looks like he's going to certainly die. That's how scary it felt for me. Yeah. Uh, Cause what I really wanted to do was kind of like focus in on my family and it felt scary. I know that there's a cost to doing music. And so I'm like, man, it feels so scary, but it has been a beautiful thing to follow the path where I felt like God was calling me mm. and to see just like in that Indiana Jones scene, the ground rise up underneath my feet mm. along the journey. And I'm really glad that I didn't let fear keep Absolutely. me from uh, the the call that I felt like God was and the adventure sort of that Jesus was calling me out to be on. And so it is, our life is crazy. It is, we're, Drew's doing music. I'm doing music. We're raising this family. Um, but man, it is. <laughs> You're writing books. To see. Yeah. God provide um, yeah. in so many ways. And, yeah. and to know, like, if he's called us to this, he's called our family yeah. to this. And it is crazy and hard on a lot of days. But uh, I think we both feel really alive using the gifts that God has Absolutely. given us.
If you want more information about Ellie, not only about her music, um, but also this fantastic resource, if you want to have an easy in as far as beginning these conversations with your kids, this book, Who Sang the First Song, is a fantastic resource for you. You can go to ellieholcomb.com, and you can find her also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at Ellie Holcomb. Ellie, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. So Ellie and I have a mutual friend. His name is Lucas Boto. His AOL instant messenger back in the day was, I think, Botonium. Ugh, don't get me started. Um, but <laughs> Lucas is, I don't know why I'm actually talking about him right now, other than he's fantastic. And actually, during the interview with Ellie, I was texting Lucas. I'm on with Ellie. She's fantastic. And so we were we were texting during the interview, and I just received one, and now I'm I'm practicing confession to you guys. I wasn't... I was 95% in, but was not 100% in mentally into the interview because I was texting Lucas. Anywho, Ellie is fantastic. Talk about a great resource. And I don't know I already said this, but we have, I have so much parental anxiety regarding having faith conversations with our kids. Having or potentially the fear of having the, uh, I don't know, sweetheart, conversations or answers is really hard, and it stops us from wanting to even begin them. But I don't know can be extremely powerful. Because at the end of the day, non-verbally, what that communicates to our children, and hopefully what it communicates to us, is praise God that our Heavenly Father, our Creator God, is not small enough for me to intellectually understand and have all the answers. He is completely other, therefore it's good news if we don't have I don't knows. And so it's natural to have them, but saying I don't know, saying let's find the answers together, praying through things with our kids is huge. And if we want to start the process, we need to start it early. And these, this children's book, Who Sang the First Song, is an unbelievable start to those types of conversations. So definitely check out the book, as well as her music, there at elliholcomb.com. I didn't, I'll go, now that I'm talking to my, my podcast family, I'll, I'll continue my confession. I didn't want to fanboy completely on her, but now that it's Christmas season, if you can count November's Christmas season, you have to check out Drew and Ellie's rendition of Baby It's Cold Outside. I know, this makes me sound lame, but it's the best. It is by far the best rendition of that song. And so thank me later. Have it on repeat during the holiday seasons. You'll love me for it. If you want more information about this show or any previous show, it is paradoxpodcast.com. You can find us on our socials there as well. We appreciate you guys for listening and hope you have a good rest of your day. Bye. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We live in a culture, we're raising our kids in a culture, we ourselves as adults are in a culture that questions whether objective truth exists.